all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today's show is all about you. It's an open topic, guys, so whatever questions or comments or things that you would like to discuss, I'm happy to do those today. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. When we come back after the news, I'm going to kick it off talking about sleep. But again, it's an open topic day. You can give me a call with anything you want to talk about. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring and we'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today's show is all about you. It's whatever you want to talk about or hear about today. That's what I want to put on the air. So you can give me a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always send me an email as well. My email is fit at mpbonline.org. And so that topic is open today and anything that you want to talk about, and I would love to have you join uh, me on the air to talk about those things. What I want to kick off and start talking about is a topic that I don't think gets enough love in um, healthcare, and that is sleep. Sleep is so crucially foundational to um, our overall health, and it's something that I think we take for granted a lot. Um, with sleep, it almost uh, appears that it's kind of a, uh, a badge of courage as to how much sleep we can go without and get things done. And trust me, uh, I hear you. I have lots of uh, pots on the fire and lots of things that uh, I'm doing and trying to keep going. And sometimes it's very, very tempting to just uh, either push my sleep time back by a couple of hours to get those things done or get up a little earlier in the morning to get those done. Now, in the interest of honesty, I ain't getting up earlier in the morning. I am not a morning person. Um, just ask my husband and my children. I look a little bit like a gremlin who has been fed after midnight when you try to wake me up in the mornings. I'm, I'm not happy about that situation. So I tend and have in the past to push my sleep time back a little bit and stay up extra hours to get things done. 
And I think the majority of folks can probably agree to that. But sleep really that that every now and then that can be okay. But as a sleep pattern, as as something that we do on a consistent basis, it's just not great for our overall health. So the question I get most often um, from folks when we're talking about sleep, because sleep is one of the kind of domains of health that I assess in lifestyle medicine, um, they go, why, why does it matter? Like, I, you know, I feel okay during the day. So why does it matter if I'm sleeping? Well, as I said, you know, an every now and then um, short sleep duration can be okay. But as a pattern, it really does start to wear on Um, our overall health. There are some chronic illnesses out there that are made worse by poor sleep, um, in particular things like heart disease and high blood pressure. And I'll talk about those a little bit more in a minute. And, but there are, you know, things that there's a certain amount that we need. So how much do we need? Well, for adults, um, the recommendation is somewhere around seven hours um, or more. Now, not super long durations of hours. We don't see a whole lot of benefit in sleeping really long amount of time, but somewhere around seven to eight hours looks to be um, the thing that has the greatest benefit to us. Um, So knowing that some nights you're going to get a little bit less than that, some nights you may get a little bit more than that, but by and large that average is about seven to eight hours a night. For kiddos, it's more than that, um, especially in our adolescents, uh, so our teenagers. They're supposed to be getting between about 8 and 10 hours of sleep um, a night. Now, as a mom to a preteen, um, which it, it's kind of killing my soul to think about the fact that he falls in the preteen category. When I drop him off at Sunday school, the door says preteen ministry. And I, I almost just threw up the first time I saw that. I was like, no, he's not a preteen. He can't possibly be a preteen. But he is. And for him, you know, he's falling into that. I need about 10 hours of sleep. Um, for optimal functioning. And that's really hard when you look at all the things that they have going on, Um, you know, the sports after school, the homework, and then just family time. But it really is important to try and get that in as much as we can, um, because they're going to do better in sports and in school performance when they have an adequate amount of sleep. So, uh, what you know, why do I care? Why do I ask people these questions in clinic? Why am I asking them about their sleep? Well, We do know that folks who don't sleep well or don't sleep for a long enough period of time do have greater rates of heart disease, including things like high blood pressure and heart attacks. Um, they also have uh, tend to have less control on their diabetes, so their blood sugar tends to run higher than someone who gets adequate sleep. There also an increased um, amount of obesity uh, and physical inactivity in folks who don't get enough sleep, as well as um, depression. And if you know if you've heard the show before, you know that I'm a big believer in treating all aspects of the individual, and that includes looking at their mental health as that relates to overall health. And so, depression is one of the top um, things that I see in lifestyle medicine, and it's really foundational to treating all of the other things. You know, when folks come in uh, to see me for maybe diabetes, high blood pressure, even just weight loss, depression, anxiety, and sleep are three of the things that I'm going to target first, whereas most folks think it's going to be diet and physical activity. Um, Don't worry, I will get to those parts, but we're going to address the things that I think are going to make 
changing our diet and being more active, successful. And that is optimizing our sleep and having um, uh, uh, healthy mental functioning or being able to cope with um, when life just doesn't hand you exactly what you thought it was going to hand you today. Those are really crucial to, you know, being as healthy as we can be. So with sleep, yeah, I said about seven to eight hours for adults. There are lots of questionnaires that you can go online and, and look at uh, as far as sleep. But what I start with with my patients and what I would recommend the questions you ask yourself are what time do you get in the bed? Okay. And then the second one is what time do you go to sleep? So I have a lot of folks who say they get in the bed at 10, but they don't go to sleep until, you know, 12 or 1. So, you know, first we've got to address what's going on in that three-hour span, you know, what's keeping them up. After those two questions, so what time do you go to bed, what time do you go to sleep, then I ask what time do you get up, and what time do you get out of the bed? Again, you know, what are we doing um, in the the bedroom um, besides sleeping? Uh, And then... And, and then I ask about sleep quality. So very simply, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being I am not refreshed at all. I feel like a zombie. Um, and 10, <laughs> and I know I, sometimes I'm like, yes, I am a, I am a zero. Um, and then a 10, meaning, you know, I am super chipper and can just do anything I want it to. Now, I kind of want to smack those people who wake up at a 10. Um, but most folks are going to fall somewhere around um, in the, the 7 to 8 range. And that, you know, that I'm okay with. You know, that they're feeling rested, pretty rested. When I have folks who uh, report low end on that scale of being refreshed, uh, you know, they tell me maybe they're a four on the scale. Well, really, those first questions that I asked are going to be foundational to understanding what the heck is going on, right? Because it could be that we have poor sleep quality related to um, an underlying disorder or poor sleep hygiene. So if someone tells me they you know, get in the bed at nine, they're asleep by 930 and they wake up at um, seven in the morning, you know, that's an appropriate sleep duration. If they're telling me that they're only a four out of 10 on feeling refreshed after that amount of sleep, that that gives me pause. I'm like, well, you know, they should be more refreshed at this point in time. What's happening um, during uh, during sleep that's keeping them from being rested? Now, if someone tells me that they go to bed at midnight, they go to sleep at 3, and they get up at 7, and they're a 4 out of 10 on the scale, I, I pretty much know why they're not refreshed, because they're not getting the appropriate sleep uh, duration, regardless of the quality of the sleep. So those are kind of two different approaches we take from there. In that first individual, um, so if, if you're asking yourself those questions and you're getting the right amount of sleep, you know, 7 to 8 hours a night, and you're um, not feeling refreshed or well-rested in the morning, then one of the things that I would proceed with is looking at, do I have some type of sleep disorder disorder like a restless leg syndrome or an obstructive sleep apnea? Um, now, those are going to require a sleep study to uh, diagnose those things. Um, I can't sing the praises of sleep studies enough. I think they give us lots of rich, valuable information about what's going on while we're asleep and how rested we are going to be. Um, I've had tons and tons of patients who um, thought that they were going to bed and sleeping a certain amount of hours, but when we got their sleep study, they were actually waking up almost, you know, one time a minute 
for problems with breathing while they were were sleeping. And you're just simply not going to be rested after that uh, type of sleep pattern. Um, So a sleep study would be the best way to go in that particular scenario so that we can see if perhaps a CPAP machine would be appropriate. A CPAP machine is a machine that we use for um, sleep apnea. It kind of blows the airway open while you sleep so that you get the right amount of oxygen to your brain so that you can rest and sleep. Um, and then there's a restless leg uh, syndrome where um, that also is preventing someone from getting good quality sleep during the night. So there's definitely that group of folks that have issues. And then there's the group of folks who just have poor sleep hygiene in general. And what I mean by sleep hygiene, I don't mean you're dirty sleeping. Um, well, you might be. I don't know. But sleep hygiene is related to kind of the techniques that we use to prepare for sleep and to and to get the most restful amount of sleep. So that goes back to that what time do you get in the bed and what time do you go to sleep type of, uh, of question. So um, a lot of folks that I see, they go to bed at an appropriate amount of time. They don't go to sleep until two or three hours later. And when we really dive down into what the heck is going on in those couple of hours, it's usually that we're watching TV or um, surfing our phone or our laptop or our iPad or some other type of tablet device um, in those hours. And that's really just not great for overall sleep health. A lot of folks um, say, well, I have to watch TV before I go to bed. You know, it's kind of my de-stress time. I hear you. I, I enjoy that as well. I would, one of the first things I recommend is that you leave that activity for in the living room or your den and you watch your TV in there um, until um, you're feeling sleepy and then go get in the bed and do not cut the TV on or any type of device. Um, Two reasons for that. One, we're trying to kind of retrain our brain to think about the bedroom as only being um, for a sleep type activity. So it's not for stimulating the brain with media devices. And the second part is the light that comes from those devices is actually on a different um, color wavelength. It's on the, the blue spectrum. And you have a little spot in your brain that sets your internal clock, your circadian rhythm on when you sleep, when you get up, all of those types of things. And, um, of course, light stimulates that part of our brain. uh, But blue light in general um, is actually has a, a greater penetration to that part of our brain than just other wavelengths of light. And it really disrupts. Um, the setting of that internal clock. And so your brain's just not real sure what time it is and that it's supposed to be going to sleep. So kind of resetting that clock um, by taking out devices that are going to cause, are going to emit that blue light can really be helpful in helping you go to sleep quicker and stay in a deeper, um, more restful period of sleep. Um, there are other you know, quick things that you can do as far as sleep hygiene, which are things like keeping the temperature low uh, in the room, which makes my husband happy because he's a cold room uh, sleeper. Um, I tend to like things a little bit warmer, but I know that, it, that you actually do sleep better when the room temperature is a little bit cooler. 
And But we want to make sure that your extremities are warm, that through um, monitoring folks during sleep and knowing um, how the brain responds in different phases of sleep, we know that the the cooling of the core body temperature and the raising of the you know, arms and legs temperature actually causes us to sleep deeper. So, um, you know, wearing things like pajama pants can actually help um, get get you into that deeper um, phase of sleep with a cooler room and a blanket on top. So those are some of my tips for sleep. But as I said, this is your hour and I want to hear from you about what questions or topics you want to hear about. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and today's show is all about you. It's an open topic, and we do have some open lines. I would love to hear from you today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can always send me an email as well. I love to get those. My email is fit at mpbonline.org. Uh, we've kicked off the show talking about sleep, and I'm happy to take any questions about that as well. As I said, really anything that you guys want to talk about, that's what I want to talk about. So give me a call this morning. And we do have a couple callers on the line. So I'm going to go to Beaumont and uh, talk with Miss Sue this morning. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. How are you? I'm just great. How are you doing today? Well, I have I have a couple of, of brain imaging things that helps me go to sleep. Okay. Lay them well, on me. Well, one thing I, I call brain clog is where your brain just gets clogged up with all kind of little niggling problems and things that you can't get over right. and things you can't solve yes. and uh, just worries and problems and it, it keeps you up at night mm-hmm. it does i, I agree myself, okay i have this picture that my brain is all clogged up with dust and dirt and charcoal in the crevices and cracks of your brain i know this sounds weird but it works no it's like a dusty old, old like an attic and a hose and just spraying down inside my brain and loosening all that stuff up and mm-hmm. sweeping it out the door and closing the door like you're in a space capsule. It all goes out in outer space and closes the door, right. and it clears your brain up. Mm-hmm. I know it's silly, but it's mental no, it, it, that works. It, it, it does works. help, Miss Sue. You're right. Those, that's a, a, a validated technique um, for helping folks deal with not only just sleep but with anxiety as well. Um, kind of picturing those worries going out the door or, you know, being on a balloon and floating away. So that absolutely really? works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know you did? You knew that you knew that you no, were doing what you were supposed to do. And then I have this 
I also have an image to go to sleep. It never fails. I, I imagine the most peaceful, restful place in the world. Mm-hmm. I picture myself on a beach, mm-hmm. sitting in an Adirondack chair under a palm frond. I can hear the fronds rustling, and, and the, the ocean is blue, and this gentle surf is coming up on the beach. And I'm there just totally relaxed. And before you know it, I go to sleep. That never fails, too. Yep. To picture the most restful place in the world for yourself. Some You might picture just listening to the pine trees. Right. And, the wind through the pines and the birds singing, something peaceful and restful. But, but to me, sitting on the beach, just there by myself with the surf and the blue ocean mm-hmm. and the palm fronds rustling around, it's just peaceful. And I always go to sleep when I think of that. That's my happy place, too, Miss Sue. That's where I go and picture when I'm trying to de-stress or relax. Um, and that's also a, a technique that's used a lot in, in therapy. Oh, so really? It is. So you were a professional, and you did not even know it. But those are <laughs> but those are two great things. So, you know, listeners that are out there, those are ways that you can kind of try and can de-stress your way into going to sleep. So thank you for giving me a call, Miss Sue. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, and, you know, that's one thing that I do with, with patients can... Patients in clinic as well. I actually give them a, a journal, and we talk about journaling as a way uh, to help with sleep. All right, we're going to go to Louisiana and talk with Harry this morning. Hello, Harry. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good. What can we do for you today? Would you compare the sleep efficiency of sleeping four hours, then two hours, and then two hours, as compared to sleeping straight, eight hours. No. Um, you know, the more sleep you can get to get to that seven hours in a continuous pattern is going to be better. Um, you know, more sleep um, consistently is going to let your brain really kind of go through those patterns of sleep that are going to be the most restorative. Now, I mean, we do know that naps are beneficial for folks. So, you know, if they're not getting enough sleep, you know, if they can take a nap even for 20 or 30 minutes, it kind of boosts that brain function um, back up and makes you more alert. But the best sleep pattern is going to be a consistent um, set uh, of continuous hours there. Okay, that's what I needed to know. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. Thanks for giving us a call. All right, and now we're going to go to Alabama and uh, talk with Angela in Mobile. Hello, Angela. Hello. How are you this morning? I'm good. Good. What can we do for you today? Well, I I really enjoyed um, hearing what you had to say about sleep. Mm. And um, I sleep like that, but I still feel lethargic. Mm. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, your ideas on how diet um, can, um, you know, where feeling lethargic all the time, how diet relates to that, and any tips you might have on changing the way you eat, which I also think affects my sleep. Mm -hmm. So um, I just wondered if you had any idea, if you could share some thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the first time when I have somebody who's, you know, getting the the right sleep duration, but is still feeling very fatigued or very lethargic, we always want to rule out any kind of... um, organic cause of that right so you know thyroid function does that look okay um blood counts do we have any type of anemia or anything like that and then you know again potentially a sleep study to make sure that there's not something that is kind of subconsciously waking us up and we're not perceiving the fact that that we wake up 
Um, so you know, those three things definitely need to be checked out. I don't know if you've had those done already, um, but okay. we, um, you know, those those are, are definitely. How old are you, Angela? Do you mind telling me? I'm fifty-seven. Me? Fifty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, those definitely I would include in my initial um, kind of assessment of someone who came to see me with those types of things. Because if there's a, yeah. you know, an underlying disorder that we can treat, then we absolutely want to do that. Um, that right. doesn't mean that the question you asked about wouldn't be something that I would still do as well, because we do need to optimize our diet for overall um, functioning as well. So mm-hmm. when we think about uh, the food that we eat, we need to think about, is this providing some type of um, function in our body or is it just filling up our stomach, um, which is what we tend to do a little bit more is just eat to fill up the stomach or mm-hmm. eat to make ourselves feel better from an emotional standpoint because right. food has um, instant gratification. Which, as humans, that's one of the things that we like. We like things that make us feel better right this second, um, and food tends to do that. But in the in the long term picture, uh, you know, if we're not providing our body with um, the nutrition that it needs, it's not going to run as well. And the way I like to think about, the way I explain food and food groups to folks, is that each one of the little food groups has its very own specific job. So just like if you worked in a factory. And, you know, like a car factory, there's somebody that does each part of building the car, right? There's somebody that puts the doors on, there's somebody that puts the steering wheel in, there's somebody that does the brakes, there's somebody that does the seats, all of that kind of stuff. That's kind of what our food groups do. Each one has a function like that. And when we don't eat a variety of food groups, which the majority of Americans don't, um, it's like some of the workers didn't show up to work. So it's like the guy who didn't who puts the doors on didn't show up today. And so whoever puts the seats in is going to try to put the doors on, but he's not going to get it done as well or as efficiently as the guy that that's his job. So eventually the car gets built, um, but it's not it not built to, to the standards that uh, it would have been had everybody showed up to the party. And so that's what our, our food groups do. And so the American diet tends to be very carb and protein heavy, um, as well as fat. It tends to be very low in uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, only about um, 12% of our diet comes from plant-based sources, and that includes ketchup, which just blew my mind the other day when I saw that statistic, because wow. ketchup is not a vegetable. Um, but, it's, <laughs> but it's included in there. Um <laughs> Yeah. And so uh, the the vegetables and the fruits are what are going to give us um, the kind of uh, minerals and vitamins that really contribute to overall well-being. So, you know, wow. making half of that plate fruits and vegetables and a quarter of it protein and a quarter of it carbohydrate is going to give us the best uh, overall function. Now, as far as tips for optimizing um, the diet, one thing is to be hydrated appropriately. So um, just thinking about um, if you've ever been in an area where maybe the water kind of ran out or you had, you know, you had to boil the water or something like that before you Mm -hmm. drank it, you know, you didn't go boil that water and then use that water to wash your car. Right. You only did the things that you absolutely had to do with that water. Well, when you when people are not hydrated well, that's kind of what your body is doing as well. It's not um, 
functioning to its full capacity because it's just trying to do the things that keep you alive. So just drinking the, a proper amount of water um, is one way to kind of boost energy, boost metabolism, and just overall feel a little bit better. Um, oh. Yeah. So, you know, with, wow. yeah, with water, um, where I see folks go wrong is they go, okay, well, I, I don't drink very much water right now, and this is how much water I'm supposed to drink. And they go like full steam ahead with that and try to to go from not drinking enough to drinking the right amount overnight and then they're mad because they pee all the time and they tell me I'm well I can't do this because I can't be in the bathroom all day long well you got to give your body a little bit of time to to get used to it so Mm. what I usually say is whatever you're drinking you know if you're drinking two glasses of water a day just try to add a glass or two per day you know over the next you know, week or so until you get yourself up to the recommended amount of, of water. Um, and that, that can help. Um, and then eating breakfast as well is another good way to, to kick off uh, your day and kick off your energy in the morning, as long as you do it with something that's not, um, super sugary because you're going to crash from that in just a little while, you know, sugar and carbohydrates don't hang around for a very long period of time. Um, so they give you kind of that quick burst of energy, but within about an hour or so, you kind of start the downward slide from that. And that's usually when people then reach for an unhealthy snack um, to try and wow. boost that energy back up. Um, so if you can do a breakfast that's got a nice uh, lean protein and a whole grain uh, and a fruit, then you're going to give your body the nutrients that it needs early in the morning to get up and, and get going. So, you know, my favorite one is a Greek yogurt with um, some oats stirred into it and then a piece mm-hmm. of fruit on the side um, because that gives me um, actually four food groups right there. So Greek yogurt, yeah, w- yeah Greek yogurt's a double duty one. It's um, dairy and protein. Then the oats will give me a nice whole grain. And then the fruit um, is, of course, the, the fruit category. Um, so for breakfasts, we want to shoot for about at least three food groups, um, up to about five, um, three to five food yeah. groups in the morning will give us a better overall function. Any of those things well, help you goodness. out? Yes. Well, good. I'm glad. I like to be Thank helpful on a so Monday much. morning. You're so welcome. That was so helpful. Thank I'm you. so glad. Thank you for giving wow. me a call. Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. You have a great Monday, okay? okay? All right. All right. Thanks. And if you guys want to get your questions in, now's the time. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. And this show is all about you. Whatever you want to talk about today, that's what I want to talk about. So I look forward to talking with you after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. 
and I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today is open topic, so the show is what you want it to be. But you got to give me a call. We've had some great callers this morning, but we have some open lines. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. And I would love to talk with you today. And we've had, as I said, we've had some great callers with um, some great questions about sleep and about uh, nutrition and how that can really be used to optimize our overall um, performance. And we talked, really I focused on this last call more on hydration and, and breakfast because those are two very, very important parts of, of our overall um, functioning in the way that we are able to proceed throughout our day. I have lots of folks who uh, are not breakfast eaters, but I really can't stress to you enough the importance of kicking your day off um, with some nutrition on board. I think about it as um, your car and the gas in your car. So my sweet car, bless her heart, she is always on empty. I don't know how it happens. I fill it up and I turn around and there's no gas in the car. And when I'm on my way to the gas station to fill it up, it's almost like I can imagine that she's more sluggish than than she was uh, the day before. And she probably is. Who knows? But that's when I kind of start praying like, oh, gosh, please help me make it to the uh, gas station before this car just goes completely put in the middle of the road. And that's really what our bodies are doing when we're kind of limping toward lunch, when we don't um, eat breakfast in the morning or at least have a mid-morning snack, then, you know, we're really just chugga-chugga, chugga-sluggishing along until we get uh, to lunchtime. And we tend to overeat then um, when we we do that. So breakfast doesn't have to be an elaborate um, affair. Um, most folks tell me they don't have time for breakfast or that they're not hungry for breakfast. Um, you know, one thing that I talk about uh, is prepping things before um, before the day arrives so that you can just grab and go. And then really changing your expectations of what breakfast has to be. Um, you know, I think that we tend to associate um, big, large breakfasts with multiple things like bacon and eggs and grits and toast and, and all of those things uh, as a breakfast. And that's simply not what it has to be. I mentioned um, three to five food groups with the last caller. Um, there are six food groups out there. There are fruits, veggies, protein, carbohydrates, dairy and fat. And so a breakfast um, should hit about three of those, um, three to four. Um, And it can be just like I mentioned with her, as simple as um, a yogurt, some oats and a piece of fruit. Uh, It can be um, a bowl of cereal, an appropriate sized bowl of cereal. So not that I get the biggest bowl I can find and fill it up with cereal uh, and then add some milk to it and eat that. Um, That's only hitting on two food groups there, well, two to three, depending on how you want to classify your milk. Um, But we really want to focus on balancing out those plates um, with the appropriate amount of nutrients for what um, for what we're trying to do, which is live our best life. So a better choice would just be balancing those out. Those can be make ahead parfaits. Those can be make ahead breakfast bars. um, Lots of different things out there that you can do. Um, to make breakfast uh, an easy transition in the morning time. 
Uh, another of my favorites that I recommend for busy folks are um, uh, make ahead little parfaits. You just get one of those little tiny pint mason jars and you put you layer yogurt and granola and nuts and fruit and repeat those layers. Put the lid on that jar and then I take a rubber band and a plastic spoon. Stick the plastic spoon to the mason jar and rubber band it on there. And that way in the morning time it is completely ready to go. I don't have to search for a spoon. I don't have to do anything else. I just open my fridge, grab it, and go. Uh, another option is using that same jar and putting um, a packet of either a prepared oatmeal mix or an oatmeal mix that you make at home, already opening it up, pouring it in that jar. Um, same thing with the spoon and rubber band, and just tossing some hot water in that and putting it in your bag and head to work. By the time you get to work, the oats are soft and you are ready to eat. Um, and just add a piece of fruit to that and you'll be uh, kind of hitting a breakfast home run there. Uh, what about lunches and dinners? Uh, lunches and dinners need to have about four to six of those food groups. And you just can't go wrong when you start to build your plate with uh, fruits and veggies. Um, our plates in America tend, as I mentioned before, to be very protein and carbohydrate heavy. It usually winds up being half of the plate is some type of carbohydrate or starch. And the other half is some type of meat. Um, and it's it's okay if you want to eat meat. It's okay if you don't want to eat meat. Um, you still need to get your uh, protein uh, in there, but it should only be about a quarter of, of your plate as coming from a protein source, whether that be an animal-based protein or a plant-based protein. Uh, we do know that plant-based proteins do tend to be a little bit healthier for us in terms of heart disease. Um, so don't... Um, don't forget about things like beans and legumes and lentils and those types of uh, foods that um, would serve as a very good source of a lean plant-based protein. Again, if you want to give us a call and join in the conversation and talk about what it is you want to talk about, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Uh, and my email is fit at mpbonline.org. Um, I did get a couple of uh, emails that I want to talk about, and um, this is kind of changing directions completely from talking about nutrition, to, but still in the GI tract. Um, this email um, came from Cynthia, and she said um, that her granddaughter was staying with her um, over the weekend and that she... Um, had had a little bit of an upset stomach. She said she wasn't feeling good. She had thrown up one time and had um, diarrhea a couple of times. And she was wondering if that was something that they needed to go um, go get checked out, go and be seen about. Well, you know, my first um, question is, you know, are there any other symptoms going on? When we're trying to decide whether we need to go seek medical treatment, um, it's really kind of how well we're doing with, with the illness overall. Um, so um, with, with vomiting and diarrhea, the things we worry about are uh, dehydration. And with dehydration comes electrolyte imbalances. And so when I say electrolyte imbalances, I mean things like your sodium and your potassium kind of getting getting wonky or getting out of shape. And um, sodium has an impact on our brain. Potassium has an impact on our heart. And so those are things that we want to keep in the, in the normal ranges um, to keep us healthy. And so, you know, my first question to Cynthia would be, you know, um, is she able to tolerate 
food and drink, you know, or is she, you know, throwing up everything that, that she's trying to keep down? Because if you're not able to keep anything down, you're much more likely to get dehydrated. And children tend to dehydrate quickly and the elderly tend to dehydrate uh, more quickly than kind of just your standard adult. Um, the second is, is there any fever? Um, and is there any blood or mucus or anything like that um, in her stool? Because those kind of all point to different things that be, could be causing um, the upset stomach um, and that may require a little bit more um, treatment. Um, and then is she peeing, right? Because um, if you're dehydrated, then your body tries to conserve water by not peeing as much. So that's one of the things that we also ask is, you know, is she still going to the bathroom and making TT? If she is, then, you know, we're probably uh, uh, doing okay on hydration status. But anything that where they start to not go to the bathroom as much as far as urine and it's really dark, um, their mouth um, like gets sticky. So there's not as much spit or saliva in there. Those are all clues that we need to go ahead and um, go to the um, go to the uh, doctor and be checked out and seen if maybe we need some IV fluids or some medication for that upset stomach. So I hope that helps, Cynthia. If it doesn't, you can email me again at fit at mpbonline.org. All right, we're going to go uh, to Jackson, um, and we have a question about a granola bar. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? To, I'm well, and you? I'm doing great for a Monday. Yes, so <laughs> I, I enjoy your broadcast. Well, thank great you. Job. Thank you. What can we do for you today, or do you have a tip for me? Well, no, I have a question. Okay. I, I'm a vegan. Okay. And so I wanted to know how to make a healthy uh, breakfast bar that you have everything okay. that you need, but right. you also uh, uh, do it from a vegan perspective. Right. So, um, you know, with the for granola bars in essence you know there's probably not going to be as much difference um we would just change out the sweeteners so normally with the granola bar you know i would probably build those with honey um for someone who's vegan i would probably recommend changing that out to either maple syrup or to uh, dates you can do date syrup or you can actually put the the dates in the food processor and blend those with some of your other ingredients um for a more of a vegan um sweetener um the oats you should be fine with um it's what else you would put in there so to build up the protein it might be good to use either a a vegan um, plant-based protein powder um and then nuts as well um to to kind of boost up your protein there um there's not probably not going to be a way to get um a lot of folks will think dried fruit to get their fruit in there that's going to be a relatively um too sweet option to go there so i would probably just add a piece of fruit on on the side of that um, granola bar there um, to get that full one in you could certainly toss in some dried fruit um, if you want to but it wouldn't count as your full fruit serving okay does that help yes yes yeah all right tip for uh healthy snacks from a vegan perspective. Healthy snacks from a vegan perspective. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, 
nuts and nut butters can be um, a great way for vegans to get in some protein there. Um, hummus is another really, really good one because um, hummus, okay. yeah, because hummus is going to give you a nice healthy fat as well as a, a plant based source of protein there. Um, so you know, just which I know you know if you've been a vegan for any amount of time, just check out the label and make sure um, you know that it's not processed somewhere that also processes you know eggs and and dairy and that type of thing. Um, but most of your hummuses are going to be vegan. You can also make your own um, with you know chickpeas, garlic, lemon, um, a little bit of olive oil, and then some tahini paste. If you don't have tahini paste, you can right. use um, so peanut butter. For a late night snack. Yeah. Get something before you go to bed, but don't want to be uh, too, you know, rich and everything. Because mm-hmm. uh, not only vegan, but I'm also addressing with, with my husband's uh, diabetes. Yes. So we try to get a snack before we go to bed. So you're saying um, maybe a good snack to have before you go to bed? Yeah, that would be a perfect snack. Have it with, um, you know, instead of picking crackers or pita bread, something like that, that's going to be relatively uh, carb heavy. I would pick okay. more of like a um, you know, cucumbers, carrots, uh, celery, some type of, of you know veggie that you could okay. uh, dip down into that, and that'd be a, a great um, snack. Really, any time of the day, um, you can you know just keep it. Um, you can buy the little individually prepared packets of it and keep that um, at work or um, you know at home for a quick, easy snack. But yeah, hummus is always in my fridge. And there's also a book out there um, called, the name of the book is called How Not to Die. Um, But it is um, by Michael Greger. He is uh, a fellow with the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and he is whole food plant-based. So he has a ton of, he has a cookbook as well as the regular book, and that has a great uh, amount of recipes in there for someone who is following a plant-based lifestyle. And again, that was How Not to how Die. How Not to Die. Gregory. Yes, ma'am. Great. Well, thank you. I would definitely check that out. All right. I thank appreciate you. Have a blessed day. You as well, my dear. Thanks. All right. We're going to take the last break of the hour. So now is the time to give us a call if you have a burning question or just any question at all. I'm happy to talk with you this Monday morning. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. 
nurse practitioner at UMMC. And we've been talking about lots of different things today because it's been an open mic show and I've enjoyed hearing um, what you guys want to hear about. And it makes me very happy that it's been about lifestyle related things uh, by and large. We've talked a lot about um, nutrition, a lot about sleep um, and how those two things are really foundational to our overall health didn't get a chance to give us a call today, you can always send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. I read every single one of those and we'll respond back to you um, and give you more information if that's what you're seeking or if you just want to tell me a, a idea for a future show. I love hearing those as well because we want to make our show all about what you guys want to hear. Um, I did get one last email over the break, and it's actually about strep throat, which um, is kind of on, on the uptick. You know, kids have gone back to school and have um, decided to share their spit with each other and all their germs. And so uh, strep throat is coming around the bend. Um the question uh, says, my child had strep throat on Friday. When can they return to school? Well, that really depends on if they're being treated or not, which um, since you know this person knows that they have strep throat, I would imagine that means they went to uh, their health care provider and either got a shot of antibiotics or a prescription for antibiotics. If they got the shot, then they should be good to go. If they did not, if they're taking by mouth, if they have picked that up and started that medication, then they, again, should be good to go. Um, it's usually 24 hours um, after starting antibiotics, and then um, they're considered not contagious. There's some studies out there that show it can be sooner than that, but this kind of safe uh, part is um, if it's been 24 hours since you took that first dose of antibiotics and you're being consistent with it and taking it, then that um, should be good to go. So I hope that helps out there. All right, we've got one last email. We'll get to that uh, quickly. It says, I'm a 62-year-old female. 5'4", 185 pounds, do not exercise regularly, but fairly active with yard work. Usually go to bed around 11, read for a few minutes, fall asleep until 7. In general, I'm a morning person. Some days I'm extremely tired when I wake up. I attribute it to dreaming. Almost every night I have vivid, crazy dreams that go on and on. Is there anything I can do to stop the dreaming? I do eat supper rather late, and I do take a Verapamil blood pressure pill before bed. Would either of those cause the dreams? Is there anything I can do or take to stop the dreams? Um, all right. And this is um, from Karen. So, um, Karen, you know, a couple of things. It sounds like you're doing a lot of things right. Um, I hope that the books that you're reading, um, that you're doing those on an actual book and not a device. Um, if not, I would try and change that um, to a regular book. It looks like you're getting the appropriate sleep duration. So again, if you're not feeling rested, then the first thing I would do is get um, a sleep study based on age and um, and your um, stats that you gave me, which I thank you for those, your height and your weight. Um, not knowing if you snore or not, um, that would be another risk factor. But just based on the things that you've given me, you are at an increased risk of having, having sleep apnea. And so I would definitely get a sleep study there to fully evaluate that as, to well, as well as any other sleep disorder there. I would also encourage you to keep a sleep journal so that you can see maybe the trends of when you're um, 
having these vivid types of dreams. And probably it's time to consult with a sleep medicine specialist. If you need help with that, you can email me back and I'll be happy to put you in touch with some of those. We have had a great show today and I have so enjoyed um, speaking with you and reading your emails and getting to know these listeners a little bit better. I want to thank my producer, Jay White, and thank all the callers and people who sent emails in for making today's show what it was. Thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. And remember to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. I've been your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and this has been Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.